Hi everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap MBA. I'm Jacob Greenfeld and in this show I document my journey towards an independent MBA-type education that is focused on building bootstrap businesses. Over the course of the next 12 months I will try to learn everything I can about ideation, software development and marketing. And I will apply what I've learned by launching a new product each month. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I think um, my first guest on the Bootstrap MBA don't need any introduction. You're the king of uh, side projects, if you want, and you are really one of the people I'm looking up to. So I learned really a lot by just your one series about making a side project. And yep. yeah, welcome to my little show. No, thank, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, ha I'm excited to talk to you. And I mean, I, it, I mean, honestly, it does always surprise me when people say they like follow me and they and <laughs> and and they read all my stuff. And so, yeah, it's it's very flattering, but it's always but it's also very surprising as well. <laughs> <laughs> Still, after so many years, because you're like active, I I would say in the maker community for how many years, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, that's, I guess that's the funny thing. I started making things on the side when it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't cool and it wasn't hip and stuff. I started doing this stuff like back in 2001. And so that was when I did my first kind of side project. <laughs> But I mean, seriously and actively, I guess, probably since about 2015 was really when, when I really started to do a lot of, I just put a lot of effort into making side projects and, and kind of working uh, on, on things like that. So it's been a good five years or so. <laughs> Yeah, what I'm, what I'm curious about is why you decided to start this recent podcast tour, if you want, right? Because you, you made the announcement <laughs> that you now want to appear a bit more on podcasts. How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I did this about a year ago. I, I just built PodHunt about a year ago. I just launched it and I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I promote PodHunt? And so PodHunt, if you don't know it, is just a it's like a product hunt kind of thing but specifically for podcasts instead so you, so you submit a specific episode of a podcast and people upvote it and it's just got like a daily leaderboard but it, you know but it just i was i was trying to use that as a way to promote pod hunt and stuff but it was really it's actually a lot of fun people ask me a lot of questions about how <laughs> i make things and 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 so i just it got to this point and i was like oh i i, I remembered last year i was doing a lot of pod podcast recording and stuff and i was having a lot of fun And so this year I was just like, well, why not? Let's try it again. <laughs> so, I mean, this year I am also, you know, working on this kind of one hour SaaS thing as well. And so that's, you know, it's just another interesting thing to kind of talk about as well. But, but yeah, I, I just had a lot of fun doing it last year. So I thought let's try it again this year as well. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. And um, I listened to your appearance on the In The Hair Cup podcast. So your second appearance and there you talked about um, what on the motivation was that product on podcast was shut down right and you decided to revive it and yeah it's a great idea yeah. and it's a problem i'm having myself all the time right discovering great content yeah great I, i mean I, yeah and it's you know it made sense for product on to sort of shut it down it didn't really fit in what with what they were trying to do in terms of what the sort of bigger vision was for you know sort of applications and and kind of focusing on software and everything like that and for somebody like me who just listened to a lot of podcasts and wanted to find really cool podcasts to, to, to kind of listen to as well. And it, you know, it didn't take a lot of effort to kind of build the functionality because it's all pretty standard functionality now in terms of just being able to submit something, being able to upload something is all pretty, 
it's all pretty established functionality that yeah, there's systems that that kind of exist that that kind of make all of that stuff easy. And so it didn't take a lot of work to to kind of write pod pod hunt at first. It takes a lot more effort to kind of maintain it and to keep people active on it and and you know can and can kind of do all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, but it's but it's been a fun project that, <clears throat> as I said, is like over a year, year old now, still k- k- kicking on, and and hopefully it will carry on as well. <laughs> What, what I'm curious about is that you, you've built so many products over the years, right? It's like above 90 now, and, but it's not, your, it's not your main job, right? It's not what you're doing <laughs> for a living. You still have a regular job at the moment, at least, right? Yeah so, yeah, so over the last 20 years, I've worked at various startups. And more recently, I was working at just like, just like an agency kind of work where we do, where we used to make a lot of ooh, websites and things like that. And just you know, recently I actually, you know, I've left that as well and uh, working full-time now on founder path with Nathan Hacker as well. So, so that's my full-time thing. And then all these other things are just things I like to do on the side. <laughs> yeah. I saw that there were area 17 was the name. Right? Yes. And yes. That's, that's that, the agency. Okay. Is that a joke for uh, on area 51 because 51 no. divided by three is 17. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, no, it's actually so. So, area 17 is the area of the brain. So, I guess when, when, when you talk to like neurologists and stuff, they 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 separate the different sections of the brain based on the things that that section of the brain actually handles in terms of you know in terms of function and stuff so area 17 is the area of the brain that processes like visual images and kind of uh, kind of helps people understand what those images actually mean and so so area 17 was just a term that or was was a name that the, the that the founders of the agency set up that just because they want to focus on on websites and visuals and kind of helping people understand what they were seeing and, and and things like that. So that's kind of where the sort of name, that's where the name Aries 17 came from. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than my interpretation. <laughs> well, it's good to know. Maybe that's why some people stayed away from it. They're like, we, we don't have alien stuff to work on here. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely want to talk about your collaboration with Nathan Latka in a few minutes or a bit later. Sure. Because I wasn't aware that this is your main gig now. I, I, I thought this was just another like side project for you. And I think on your website, it still says that you're working on Area 17. Uh, I've been too busy. I haven't updated my website yet. But no, so yeah, I mean, obviously we can talk about it a little bit. But yeah, it was a side project. And then after a while, we just kind of d- decided that we were gonna, we were going to work on it full time instead. So, so that's, that's another interesting thing that, you know, side projects turn into into your your main thing as well <laughs> occasionally as well yeah that's the goal right <laughs> yeah. awesome and so the, but the first thing i really want to dive um in a little bit is like product development because i think this is maybe your biggest strength right because uh, as you mentioned you have so much experience and you are really able to build a site like hot hunt i don't know in a weekend if you want or so where a, someone like me like beginner would need a month or two, or I don't know how long. <laughs> so, and but the cool thing is, of course, that you wrote this long series about making a side project, and there really almost all my questions were answered. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think we need to repeat that. And anyone who is interested in can just read your um, article, your articles. But just one thing I really liked about it is that at, when you start learning about these kind of things, then you read lots of stuff about test-driven development, wireframing, mm-hmm. writing user stories, 
and you get so confused and you really think, oh shit, I still, I still have to learn all these kind of things. And yeah, I don't know. But in your theory, it's really clear that this is not necessary, right? You're, you're, you're not doing it, at least for your side projects. These, these, I don't know, good principles or however you would call them. No, I mean, look, I mean, obviously, if, if you come with that kind of experience and that kind of history in terms of how you build things in the past, if you have the skills to do all of that kind of stuff, it's fantastic. You should, you should leverage that as much as you can. But when you're just getting started and, and you just want to build something quick for yourself or, you know, or for a friend or, or whatever it is, or even if you want to build a business that you want to launch and have other people pay you for and all that kind of stuff, the quicker you can get to market, the quicker uh, you can see if the thing works and people actually want the thing that you built. And so, you know, I tend to focus on, yeah, it'd be nice to do test-driven d- d- development, but you're sort of at that early stage, you're, you're, you're just trying so many different things. You're seeing if, if this works or if this is the right way to handle a problem that doing something like test-driven d- d- development really just slows you down because not only do you have to write the software and change what you're doing with the software, you now have to go update all the tests and make sure all the tests pass and do all that kind of stuff as well. And, you know, and, and like I said, in some cases that's fine because if you've got lots of experience with, with kind of working that way, then absolutely you should kind of stick with it. For me, I mean, I do, and just, you know, just so you know, I mean, like when we do work, when, I mean, I was at my agency and, you know, and, and doing my agency work and, and even other places that I worked at, we did a lot of test driven development so I've, I've got lots of experience with that and I know that it makes me take twice as long to do anything <laughs> because <laughs> I have to write the code and I have to write the test as well and then every time I change something I gotta fix the code and then I gotta go fix the test as well so I know that I mean I know there's a good reason for it but I also know that there's a good reason not to do it as well and and, and so you know with kind of a lot of these things it's nice to have and if you've got a big company that's servicing lots of users and if you want to do test-driven development, it makes a lot of sense because you'll be very confident that when you push out your, you know, when you push out your new version or your fix or whatever, that it's actually not going to make things worse. But also, if you're just launching something and you don't, you know, you have a handful of people coming to your website, you know, if there's a bug or two, I think people almost expect you to have a bug or two when you're kind of starting out as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, as long as you're still doing the testing, that's the other thing I find, right? Like. I'm still doing the testing. I'm just doing it as I'm, you know, I, I make the fix. I coach the website. I try and do the thing that I'm trying to do. So I'm doing t- testing. I'm just not doing automated testing. I'm not doing something that's easily reproducible, but I know my software works. So, so you know, and, and even if you're doing test-driven d- d- development, you're still going to do that as well, right? Like you're going to do the, you're going to write the test to kind of make sure things work. But ultimately, you know, that's just the software telling you that what it did worked. You still have to go to the website and make sure that the thing actually looks and functions the way that you were expecting as well. So you're still having to do that anyway. You just have a little bit more confidence that everything under the hood is kind of working the way that it's supposed to as well. But so, yeah, so just like I said, for me and, and for lots of other people too, test driven in the right circumstances, when you have the right time, when you have the right specifications as well, is, is really helpful. But for people like us who like to move really fast and try lots of different things and build lots of different things, it's not so helpful. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it's just as a beginner, right? You're, you're, you, you just don't know that you are allowed to do stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it's really like that. It's, it's the tiny things that I'm pretty sure once you have lots of experience, you just forget, right? It's the curse of knowledge. So you just yeah. forget that people have this kind of problem. But at least for me, it's true. So you have the picture that you really have to plan the pro- program 
that you want to develop in advance and do yeah user stories i don't know why but it's yeah what i at least noticed for my first little project is i can just do the stuff right i can just um, yeah. build it as i go as i go along and it it turns out okay right and yeah and, and also <laughs> and you know and, and also I always find that, you know, most people doing side projects and stuff are doing it on their own, right? Like it's just you in front of your laptop or in front of your computer just working, right? So where, where a lot of those things coming really helpful, like having, you know, having test-driven development and having user stories and wireframes and stuff is when you want to share that information and talk about that with other people so that everybody gets on the same page and everybody understands how things work and how things are supposed to look and stuff. But when it's just you, you know, why, why are you going to create this document when you've got all that information in your head? All you're doing is taking that information from your head, putting it into a document so you can share it with other people to make sure that they have the same information in their head as well. But it's just you. So, so yeah, you can skip all of that stuff because you already have the information. You don't need to transfer it from your head to a paper to get it back into your head again. <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense. And just a last question because really everything else was is answered in your article series but has anything changed because the series is like three years old and for example you're still using laravel primarily right yes uh, i'm still using laravel and you know that comes out with new versions and stuff fairly regularly so i mean i mean obviously some of the specifics have changed in terms of how to build things but but yeah i still use laravel php to kind of do almost all of my side projects. The front end stuff's changed a little bit. So recently, uh, so I was using Vue and, you know, sometimes even just vanilla JavaScript just to do some interactions and stuff on the front end stuff. I'm kind of a big fan of the new tall stack, which is Tailwind, Alpine, Laravel, uh, Livewire, and Laravel. Uh, there's, a, there's a website called tallstack.com dev that, that kind of t talks about that stack a little bit so yeah i've been using that a little bit more just as a complete way of, of kind of building more kind of interactive applications yeah i've never heard of it to be honest so i never heard <laughs> of the tall stack but it sounds cool because i, I love tailwind it's amazing i yeah. played around with Alpine jazz and also laravel is somewhat similar to rails right it's not <laughs> it's not big, that big of difference so yeah i will i will have to check it out Really yeah, cool. I mean, it's, yeah, in terms of, I mean, I think I also, that's, that's the other thing I tell people as well. Like if you're doing a side project, there's no reason to learn anything new. I mean, I mean, unless you don't know how to write code or if you never built kind of web applications in the past, but if you use, if you're used to using JavaScript, if you're used to, used to using ASP, if you're used to using Python, if you're used to using Rails, just use it, right? Like it, when you're building your MVP, your first version, there's very little reason normally, right? Obviously, if you're doing something very specific and you're like, okay, to do this mathematical formula stuff or this financial analysis or this, this machine learning stuff, okay, well, maybe you want to use Python for a lot of that stuff, right? But, but generally speaking, if you're building a web, if you're building a SaaS app and it's just, you know, it's some forms where you're collecting information and you're turning around and you're saving that somewhere and then you're showing the information, nobody cares, right? Like if, if you're using PHP or Rails or Python or whatever, nobody cares. Um, so if you have the experience with a specific stack and, and you're comfortable using that stack, just stick with it. You don't have to learn something new just to build a, it's kind of a normal SaaS application. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but just for me, because I started learning, so you have to make a choice. And this can yes. <laughs> there isn't a the perfect answer, right? So it's really a matter of taste. And even, even then it's, it's not clear, for example, between Laravel and Rails, 
So I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and the really and that really is. You just have to try. I mean, I've used Rails. I've used. Mm, JS, I've used Python, you know, I've used ASP in the past as well. Like, and it, it is, it's just a personal feeling in terms of the way that Rails works is the way that I like to write code. So I stick with it, right? Like, I mean, I've used Rails in the past and it's, it's fantastic as well. You know, the sort of problem that I ran into with, with, with kind of Rails wasn't so much that how, how do you build the application in the first place, but how do you do, do deploy the application? Where do you deploy the application? And, you know, back then at least, the, so your so options for that were much more uh limited versus with a php application there's you know a million and one places that you can host you know sort of guess a lot of applications with as well so that's the other consideration to kind of have in mind is it, it's nice to have you know the sort of latest shiny thing in terms of frameworks and things to kind of build with but you also have to think about okay but once i once i take it off my local machine i want to put it up on the server somewhere how's that kind of work as well and like i said with php and Aravel, you just had lots of options on that end of things as well. Yeah, this is something I <laughs> I learned. I just learned, to be honest, because I started using Rails and everyone is just using Heroku, right? Yeah. But super expensive. Right? <laughs> what and what you see is that so many projects are built with Heroku and Rails, but they are all that all that, right? After yes. half a year or so, because you have to pay like seven dollars a month at least as a minimum. To, to just keep things running and for many projects that's not viable because it's just a fun little thing and this is why so many projects are dead yeah i mean that, and that's the thing with i mean obviously i mean yeah at some point you have to pay something to, to kind of maintain maintain service but i can on a five dollar dropler on DigitalOcean run you know five or ten different projects for that one price right because especially if there's no traffic if there's no significant traffic coming in because it was an experiment that you tried and you didn't find an audience for it and now you're like okay well let me try something new you're not having to pay seven dollars for the second application as well <laughs> you know like you could pay the one price and keep the old project kind of live as well and try something new kind of at the same time so yes yeah, so in terms of scaling in terms of costs you know, longer term, if you build something and you know, and it, and it becomes it becomes popular, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. If you're paying seven dollars on a Roku, it probably doesn't have that kind of effect on you. But if you're still like that learning phase, trying to experiment, trying to make lots of things, just so you can see how things work and kind of how things you know, how things operate, it can be it can be somewhat off-putting that you know I'm going to have to spend fifty dollars just to kind of maintain all of these sites that that really aren't going to make any money longer term. <laughs> yeah. This, this is really what I learned. And if I could start again, if I would start again, I would probably pick Laravel just exactly for this reason, because I wasn't aware of that. And I think there are options like Heroku that you can host yourself, but I haven't really looked into it. And I still need yeah, to. And, that, and that's just something else that you have to learn as well, right? Like in terms of how do I, now I've got to go set up this whole like dip, 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 dip deployment thing and kind of figure out how all of that stuff works. And and so, yeah, so it's it's, again, it, it comes back to like, you know, try and do as little as you can so that you can launch and kind of run and, and, and kind of get projects out there as fast as you can without having to learn new things and, and, and specialized software like that, right? Like, I mean, that's, it's one thing to learn how to write code because it, it's something that will, you know, you, you can kind of apply across the board and stuff, but kind of in a lot of those cases, you're, you're kind of having to learn very specific DevOps kind of software that's very specific to what you're doing that isn't really going to apply to anything else as well. So it sometimes it's it's a good good skill to learn so that you can so you have it for the future as well. But you, but you also have to think about you know 
am I using my time wisely? Because if it's a side project, especially, I don't have a lot of time. I'd rather be working on my application than trying to figure out how to, how to deploy and scale my application instead. <laughs> yeah, what I've discovered for myself is like um, just using static sites for as much as I mm. can and deploying them to Netlify or Wordful. Yeah. And because it's super stable, super secure, costs nothing, has like um, all the security configuration, SSL certificate, and yeah, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. And at least for my little project and also my next project, I will just stick to it because it's, it costs nothing and it's super secure. And yeah. Big no, fan. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously it depends on what you're working on, if that works in terms of, you know, in terms of static sites and stuff. But if, even if you're just like, I want to put up a landing page to see if people like this idea or not. Like, you know, why build a, you know, why use WordPress or something like that? We have to, we have to pay to host it and maintain it. If you can build a very simple static website and have that hosted for with, without having to pay anything for it. Absolutely. Yeah. You should absolutely run with that, especially if you're still working on it, right? Like, you know, for the first six months or whatever, while you're still working on the application, having something up so that people can sign up for a mailing list or whatever, uh, kind of makes a lot of sense too, because then once you're at the point where you actually want to launch, you hopefully you have a mailing list, you have some people who are kind of already interested in the thing that you're working on as well. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that stuff like WordPress got so popular, at least in my opinion, because it's like a total overkill for like 90% of all applications. Because just to like host a blog, you, you can just, at least what I'm currently using is Jekyll, so, mm -hmm. because it's also uh, Ruby. And it's also static and you can host it for free on GitHub and it's, yeah, it's, it can't be hacked and you, have, you don't have to worry about backups like you have. Yeah. It's, it's so simple and it's such a beautiful solution. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a great something for us in terms of people who know how to code or want to, or want to learn how to code. The, the main reason that WordPress got really popular was that a lot of the hosts out there had just you had like these one click installs you could just sign up for the hosting and say i want to install wordpress and then you just go find a theme and you install the theme and now you can just within wordpress within the editor you can you can you can change the colors and you can you know you can add content and stuff like that so so for people who couldn't write code or didn't want to learn to write code something like wordpress just made that super easy like you didn't have to have any technical skills whatsoever and you could host you could have a site up and running in a few minutes now it was very insecure and couldn't scale and you had to make sure that you upgraded WordPress frequently and all the plugins that you use frequently, otherwise you were going to get hacked and stuff. But also, you know, like I said, it didn't require any technical skills and, and for a lot of people that was the options that they had kind of at the time. Yeah, which is crazy because I think there are much simpler solutions even for these kind of requirements. Like you worked on Statamic, right? Yes, for, yes. For I'm not sure, but it's also flat file, right? So you're not having yes. to deal. Yeah, that, that was actually one of the reasons that we built, uh, that was why we built Statamic at the time was we were really tired of really now, because yeah, it wasn't just about installing WordPress, but now you've got to install plugins to you know, do caching and stuff so that it could scale and things like that. And then it was always like, yeah, but really all we're doing is building a simple site. Like, why is it even needed? Why does it even need MySQL? You know, like, why do we even need that? Yep. And, and so, yeah, so that was one of the reasons that, that, that we kind of originally started as like an alternative CMS um, out there as well. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I understand. I mean, obviously the world's changed a lot over the last five or 10 years in terms of even things like Webflow and, and sort of uh, Squarespace. And so all these offerings that are kind of popped up that allow people to do things without having to write any code as well. You know, again, part of the reason was that because WordPress got really popular, people saw that there was a need for something like this in terms of, 
people, you know, people want to be able to build things really quickly and easily and fast, but they don't have the sort of skills in terms of how to write HTML and, and, and sort of that kind of stuff. And, and now that you can, now that people have, you know, people saw the need with WordPress and they're like, okay, there's, there's kind of alternative ways that we can make this really easy without having to worry about all the security and, and, and kind of scaling issues as well. Yeah, and it's absolutely fantastic that this is happening, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. in particular since this new WordPress editor, this Gutenberg. So yeah. Absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a fan. The, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is, I want to ask you about is product ideation, right? Because yeah. this is a topic I've just looked into and read a lot. And <laughs> of course, I'm super interested in your opinion. And, but again, you covered a lot of ground in your article series, so I will not bore you with questions you've already answered. But just one observation I had when I had a look at the, your projects and the different ideas you put out there in your article series is that you seem, if I had to describe your approach, I would say excitement driven. So you're not <laughs> the kind of guy who does like market research or looks for, I don't know, trends or how should I say, monetizable trends right. yeah but it's it really seems excitement driven so is that a fair yeah. description no. of your ideation process enthusiasm maybe not excitement but yeah okay. i mean i think <laughs> but no i i mean you know like my situation like i said you know as, as we talked about earlier is i've always had a full-time job i've always been pretty happy doing what i am doing so the reason that I'm building side projects isn't the same as some other people, right? Like, so for some other people, it's like, I hate my job. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I want to build something on the side and then I want it to be my thing. And so I think if you're building, if you're building with that in mind, then yeah, understanding what the market is and doing market research and understanding if there is a user base who will pay you every month, enough people that will pay you a salary over the space of a year, to, to, to kind of use your software it absolutely makes a lot of sense to be able to kind of understand if, if that market exists and if there's a need for the thing that you're trying to build. Now, even in some cases, I still think that that's the wrong approach because just because there's a market there for it doesn't mean that you're the right person to build that software. Just because there's a trend, you know, to build websites for dentists or to build websites for lawyers or websites for accountants, you know, there's, there's plenty of accountants paying people, you know, thousands of dollars to build their website for them. Doesn't mean I'm the right person to go build a website for a lawyer or an accountant or, uh, or what, 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 whatever. So I think that's why I think, you know, I, I kind of keep in mind what the excitement, what the enthusiasm about the idea is as well, because if you, especially if you're doing it on the side, especially if you're doing it on weekends and evenings, <clears throat> if you come home after having worked eight, 10 hours a day for your job, and then it's like, oh, sh now I got to do another two or three hours to build this thing. If it's something that you're not excited about, if it's something that you're not enthusiastic about, it's going to be really hard to like to to make you stand up off the couch where you're where you're chilling out, relaxing, watching TV, and to go work again. <laughs> so, so yeah. So if you're not excited, if you're not enthusiastic about about the thing, about the idea that you have that that, that you want to explore and and see if you can build something for it's really not going to happen. Right. So that, so that, that to me has always been a really important factor in terms of, yeah, which, which ideas. Yeah. I have lots of ideas and a lot of them, I just leave, you know, just, I just let them, I let them sit and I don't do anything with them because I'm like, it's a cool idea. I see people making lots of money with this thing. You know, I could, I could make my own little version of this or I could, you know, I could tweak it, but I'm like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> like, like even like right now for, for example, I see that there's, 
lots of people making lots of money with like scraping software. Like if you want to go scrape content from the web, there's like, there's, you know, I, I look on indie hackers and stuff and there's like a ton of projects out there that are making a lot of money doing that are doing web scraping. I'm like, that's the last thing I want to work on. Like, I don't want to sit there writing software to go analyze HTML so I can extract little bits of information out of a page. I'm like, I can do it. I've had to do that stuff in the past. And I know it's not exciting for me. It's not exciting for other people. It might be very exciting. And so, you know, I'm like, I could build, I could build a scraping software. You know, you know, it's, it's not, it's not really, it's not really rocket science or anything like that, but I'm just not excited about it. <laughs> so, yeah. It's something I'm excited about, <laughs> but, uh, but I will not write a, I'm not writing any um, scraping tool, but I'm doing a lot of scraping myself just for my right. projects. So in terms of doing like data analysis, because I'm, yeah, analyzing different products and it's just a tool for myself. That's a very specific need and you have very specific requirements and, and you're excited about the information that you're scraping out of it. So you still have that excitement about it, but you're not building like a general tool that allows other people to go scrape that stuff as well. So yeah, like I said, that's, so yeah, that, that to me has always been like, cause yeah, I mean, I think there's this idea about um, product market fit in terms of, you know, is the product in the market, you know, is, is there a market for the product and kind of what's the fit like and stuff like that. I think there's the sort of other part of that is the, product fit as well right just because there is an opportunity to build uh, a piece of software just you know to build a, a, a product a, a product but it, who's the right maker to kind of make that not just from an excitement standpoint from the product standpoint as well but also do you have access to the people who will use that as well so you know i could i could build software for real estate agents and things like that but do I want to go talk to real estate agents? Do to real estate agents every day? No, I don't want to do that. I mean, I'm sure they're very nice people. And I, I bought a house in the past, and you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I want to speak to real estate agents every day. And you know, I wouldn't even know. I mean, obviously, I know where where they hang out. There's there's kind of agencies and they, oh, there's kind of associations and things that you can reach out to to kind of find that, yeah, you know, to kind of share more information and stuff. But it's just again, it's just not something I want to do. I don't want to. Talk, I don't want to talk to real estate agents every day as well. <laughs> Makes perfect sense, yeah. And you mentioned that there is a difference between like most of your projects, which were just built for fun, right? So they were on most of your project, there's no monetization at all, not even ads, right? And between just for fun projects and projects which have some monetization aspect, right? So I'm curious how you would go about it. Like, because I understand, of course, I'm just being enthusiastic and having a cool idea and building it over a weekend is of course <laughs> a valid approach. I've, I've just done it myself, but I'm curious how you would go about um, building a side project that earns some money. So not yeah. millions, but just some money. So what your yeah. some, some kind of process at least. Yeah, no, and, and it's, it's actually something I'm trying to do right now. I mean, it's, it's with the, with the one, one hour SaaS thing that I'm doing. I mean, the whole idea with that was to build a SaaS application, but not just build a SaaS application, but actually build a SaaS business instead. And and so yeah, so I, mean, I think with like I said, with that you kind of have to start with the with the premise that what I'm building it has to be worthy of somebody willing to pay money for it. And and so you really have to like kind of reframe your approach. I still you I still think you have to be thinking about you know is this something I want to build? Is this something I'm excited about? Is this something I know you know how to reach the people who might want to actually use this stuff. So I think, you know, all of that stuff that we just talked about still applies 
and and it, 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 in in some ways is even more important right right now like if i'm just building something for fun then i don't really care if there's a market for it i don't really care if if there's if there's an audience for it and and i can reach that audience as well with something that you're trying to do you know more seriously and and more long term as well you know i think i think you i think you definitely have to pay attention to all of that that kind of stuff as well and i think you know, for me, the easy way has always been, you know, I've been a big fan of building in the public, building in the open as well. I think that that to me has always been a really good way to try and attract the users that I want while I'm still working on stuff as well. So with, with this whole one, one hour SaaS thing, you know, being able to talk about what I'm building as I'm trying to work on it, I think naturally just kind of gets people interested and people excited, hopefully about what you're working on. So yeah, so building in the open has been something that that's worked really well. Uh, one, it just kind of helps you make sure that you're building the right thing, but then also just helps you with the market. Cause I think, you know, as developers and things like that, we, we like to make things, but we're not very good at the sales and the marketing side of things as well. And so if you wait till you finished your product and then start marketing, you know, one, it just takes really a long time. Now you, you know, you spent you know, a few weeks, months, whatever, making something. And now you got to spend a few weeks, months actually doing the marketing and sales and stuff like that. But if you're building in public, then you're kind of doing everything at the same time. So, you know, the sort of time to market becomes maybe a little bit longer because you're, you're doing more than one thing at a time, but, but you're also doing a lot more in terms of, you know, in terms of ad, 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 advancing the business aspect of, of kind of what you're working on as well. Yeah, building in public, I think, is an awesome strategy for indie makers, right? Because yeah. the most successful people, at least, yeah, it's <laughs> a self-fulfilling prophecy, but the most um, successful makers that are visible are doing it, right? <laughs> Of course, maybe everyone else is in stealth mode. I don't know. But nevertheless, <laughs> it's, it's great to see that uh, lots of people are doing it and it's working and it's super helpful for people like me who are just learning. And yeah, I'm learning so much by watching people. And one of the things I love the most is like these live streams where people just stream the whole process. I think it's, yeah. super, it's super amazing because you really get get to see all the little details which are usually overlooked because of the curse of knowledge, right? So. Yeah. And I think it's also helpful to just to see that it's not like a straight line, right? Like I don't like sit down and think about what I'm going to write and just, you know, straight line to the out end of it. It's a winding road where it's like, well, I'll try this. This didn't work. Now I got to go search on Google to see why this isn't working. And, and, and I think, you know, people expect that, you know, even with people like myself, who have been doing this for the last 20 years, we're still learning things. We're still figuring this stuff out. And it, you know, you kind of a lot, a lot of the times you're building something new that you haven't worked on in the past. So, so, you know, sort of the best skill that you can have is not, you know, not 20 years worth of history of experience in terms of all the code that you've written, but it's like, I've hit a bug. Now what's the right way to solve that bug? Like what's the, what's the right things to search for? What's the right things to kind of look at? And you know, where's, where do I look at in the log files to find why there's an error here? Like just understanding the, process people have for like figuring out what's working and what isn't working is way more helpful i think than than here's a specific solution to a specific issue that you're having <laughs> yeah this, i think the term is implicit knowledge or so at least i read something about it's super interesting because it's the kind of knowledge you re can't really teach usually usually yeah. you can only learn it by observing and spending time with people who are able to do it and yeah. i think live streams are yeah, something i really like because yeah. this is exactly where you can where you can grasp these kind of finer issues and yeah and 
another or maybe the last uh, question in terms of product ideation is that I noticed that lots of your projects are very focused on trends, right? Because just a few examples here, podcasting, of course, is a huge trend, but also your COVID, will my job give me COVID? <laughs> will robots yeah. take my job? Zoom backgrounds, how I spend my stimulus, medium top authors, back when medium was a big thing, maybe yeah. it still is, but, <laughs> and also a lot of crypto stuff and chatbots when they were a big thing, right? And so is this something you do consciously or is it just a uh, byproduct of your enthusiasm, enthusiasm driven ideation? Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I think it's the enthusiasm thing more than anything else. Like it's just, it just happened to me, you know, when the crypto trip, I mean, it's, it's still a thing obviously, but, you know, I was very excited about, you know, learning more about Bitcoin and Ethereum and stuff like that. So, you know, so you build things in that space. <laughs> So that you can so that you can learn more about that space, but you know, for me, the best way to learn is to is to make something, <laughs> and and so so that's that's usually where it, where it comes out. Yeah, and I did the same thing with chatbots when 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 they first came out. You know, we we I spent a lot of time building stuff. I spent a lot of time building chatbots, and and we ended up building Botlist as well. And then we yeah with with podcasting. You know, like I said, I'm I'm excited to be on podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. So it just kind of made sense to build the kind of tool that I was looking for that that kind of wasn't out there as well. So I was very excited and very enthusiastic about that, about the podcasting industry kind of as a whole. So to be able to be involved in it and to build in it. So I'm not, I'm not looking for trends that I'm not excited about. Like, like you know, I'm not going to go uh, build a website about, you know, taxation because there's a big tax bill coming out you know you know I'm, I'm not doing stuff that i'm not excited about but it's stuff that i want to learn about and stuff that i'm you know that i, that I think might be exciting to, to kind of look at and, and kind of get under the hood about as well yeah makes makes perfect sense so of course there are lots of people who are doing this kind of strategy on purpose right they subscribe mm -hmm. to like the trend newsletter from the hustle which costs like 300 bucks a year super expensive just because they want to hop on the next hype train and yep. of course i think there's nothing wrong with this approach because no. everything is easier when you're riding away right so it's yeah and I, I think it also depends on what you're trying to do right like i mean like i said with for me you know like i said this has been stuff i do as you know for the most part at least it's been stuff i do for my hobbies and, and stuff that i'm interested in it's not something that i'm like i've got to i've got to earn my next paycheck with with this stuff so if there's a trend that you can hop onto and you can ride the wave of that trend yeah it's absolutely much easier to you know to just kind of earn your next paycheck out of that i was already i was already earning my next paycheck so i didn't have to worry about that and so then i can kind of stick to okay what's the thing that you know once i worked for eight hours a day earning the paycheck what's the thing that i want to do that's fun and exciting kind of after that as well that's that makes a lot of sense and do you have some kind of prediction still about the next kind of trend you're seeing so because of course in podcasting maybe already <laughs> i don't know yeah. but i've noticed that a lot of people have mentioned that the amount of time they spend listening to podcast has declined and of course it has a lot to do with corona with the covid stuff because people yeah. are not commuting anymore yeah all these kind of stuff but <laughs> No, no, I no. So it's, I still think longer term, there's still a trend. They're not necessarily podcasting specific. I think it's a very specific term, but just in terms of audio and people re recording audio and listening to audio, I think is still it's still in many ways still in its kind of infancy. I think it's really just a transition of radio and TV into kind of in de demand stuff rather than having to watch the news at a you know at six o'clock 
or having to watch it in front of a TV, you know, just being able to like, just listen to, you know, just listen to the news on your iPhone whenever you want to, I think is, you know, that kind of thing. So that, I think that trend will continue. And I think it's going to, you know, now that the sort of larger players are involved with that, I think it's going to, you know, if you, I don't know, obviously you're over in Europe, but you know, over here in the U S for example, like CNN and MSNBC, which are, you know, so the big news channels, all of the anchors now have podcasts where they put out episodes every day about whatever the sort of topic of the day is or the other thing that they want to talk about. And you can listen to that whenever you want to, you don't have to wait till six o'clock in the night just to watch that, that specific thing. So, you know, it's very much becoming more, mm, mainstream and 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 so i think i think so i think that trend will continue i mean you know obviously we're not we're not in the early phase anymore it's 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 you know it's, it's becoming a lot more established and stuff and i think yeah there was when coronavirus first hit there was a, a did decline in the amount of time that people were uh spending listening to podcasts i think part of that had to do with you know people weren't in the car or on the train or whatever to trying to get to their job which is where they would normally listen to podcasts and so you know people you, you kind of have to make the conscious effort to actually oh there's a podcast i want to listen to it wasn't just automatic that you didn't you just hopped in the car or you hopped on the train and you're like okay, i'm going to turn the podcast player on now but now i think people have come back to it a little bit now and you know they, they're like okay there was that podcast that i really enjoyed listening to so i'm going to make some time to actually sit sit down and listen to or listen to it while i'm cooking or cleaning instead so still doing that kind of using that that time wisely where you know i was wasting time in the car now i'm you know now i've got to clean the house i might as well listen to a podcast while i do that so so i think that's that that's kind of an interesting thing as well that people did it wasn't just the fact that it was easy and con convenient people found that they actually enjoyed it and now they're kind of trying to find the time to kind of stick with that as well so i think that's kind of an interesting thing as well I think, you know, in terms of trends, I think obviously coronavirus has accelerated a few trends. And I thought, so I think it's very interesting to see, you know, just the whole remote collaboration space has existed for a really long time. People have been trying to do, you know, kind of on, you know, trying to move meetings online and things like that. And people, I think there was a, there was a human resistance to that. There wasn't, there's not too many technical reasons why it wouldn't work. But there was this, there was this feeling that people wanted to be in the same room. They wanted to be able to see people that they were talking to, you know, in, in like, they wanted to be in the same physical space. And obviously with coronavirus, you can't, you can't enforce that anymore. People, people can't be in the same space. So I think even though, even though it's existed for a while as a, as a kind of sub kind of industry and things, I think the sort of acceleration now that you'll see in terms of online collaboration tools and, and yeah, a lot of the remote working tools, I think you're going to see a massive explosion in that over the next, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically already started since the coronavirus hit, but I think for the next few years, you'll continue to see that. I think that is probably the biggest trend that we'll see over the next few years at least. Yeah, it seems like a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's not. It's not really anything new. Like Web WebRTC and and those kind of tools have existed for a really long time, and I think the sort of reasons that it hasn't really caught on wasn't there wasn't there wasn't a technical reason that they hadn't really caught on. All of these things are possible and have been possible for a while, but the but the, the sort of human opposition to it has now <laughs> has now been wiped away. So 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 it's going to be interesting to to kind of see how people kind of expand and, and kind of explore that as well. And the next topic I have on my list here is that I want to talk a little bit about your project in more, in more detail, because so far we talk, just talked about ideas. 
and I have a few of your projects on, on my list here, but also you created this huge list of all your projects, right? <laughs> it's available yes. on iworkedon.com, right? And it's yeah, super interesting. And I think everyone should have this kind of list because it's so useful. And it's one of the big things that's missing, for example, by, on the product hunt that you can't see if a product is still live or what's the status, right? <laughs> it's it's yes. really hard to tell. And you have different categories, clearly, uh, you've sold it, it's dead, it's, you left the company, it's zombie mode, whatever that means. <laughs> Active, yes, it's, it's, it's really, really cool. And one thing I noticed is, so of course I would love to go through this, I really would love to go through this and talk about every single one of them, but there are just too many, at least on your list. But I, I don't know if you've seen this, but Pickford, right? Yes, um, yes. Um, he has this super cool list also with all his projects. Yep. He has posted it as an Excel sheet. And it's, it's, it's just so helpful to see how many tries people have until they find <laughs> a winner, right? And, and in contrast to what you were doing, he tried to earn money from the start. Yes. So he really started from the completely different opposite end because his first projects were... I, I think no fun, just money. So it, it was these niche site affiliate kind of yep. stuff, which you really, it, no one enjoys doing this. It's no. just, you, you just do it for the money. But now, of course, I think he has found a, a sweet spot for him. And you're really coming from the opposite end, from the just, just fun end, and now also moving a bit <laughs> towards the money, maybe. Right? But I'm not sure if this is true, but this is at least what I heard, what, what, I, what I got from your last Indie Hacker episode so that at least some in, in some more way monetization has entered your way uh, your mind <laughs> yeah i mean i think to some degree, and also just because i think to some degree a lot of people who are following me like are trying to do it for you because they want to build something real as well so i mean a lot of the things i've done in the past have been not just to build the thing but also to share how i built the thing and so so a lot more people are interested in building things you know, that have the, the monetization aspect on it as well. So the fact that I'm now building those things and sharing how I'm building those things, I think is kind of helpful as well. You know, not to say that, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't count the sort of enthusiastic and the excitement for the idea. I think I still think that's, that's still super important as well. Uh, but no, I, I'm, and absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously as I'm getting slightly older too, you know, I'm trying to think about retirement and stuff and I'm like, it'd be nice to have something that was making a bit of money too, you know, <laughs> it would be nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with that too. Um, just a quick little side story. So I'm not sure if you, if you, if you compared our lists or not, but you'll see, actually, I'm not even sure I put it on my list, but there was a project that I built with Josh. I'm trying to remember when that was. I think it was in like 2000, maybe 2001-ish. If you look at his, what's it called? Fugitive Toys, <laughs> Fugitive Toys list. And I'm not sure if it's on my list at all anymore, but yeah, so I built, I feel, I built the first version of Fugitive Toys with Josh. I, I think it was back in like 1999, I think. But yeah, so that was, so yeah, so we've worked on stuff in the back. It's kind of a small world. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I wasn't aware and really back in the days. Yeah, <laughs> really long topic. Super cool. And this is also something I noticed and wanted to ask you about is because um, you've worked with a lot of different makers over the years in terms of yes. collaboration, or I don't know how to call it, but for example, with Ben Fossil, Des Louis, Bissenshaw, <laughs> now Nathan Lasker, of course. And I'm curious though, what kind of, agreements or how this works because um, of course I also 
was thinking about this kind of thing, but then I was puzzled. Okay, how actually do you pull it off? Because it makes everything <laughs> so much more complicated. Because of course, if then something takes off and becomes super popular, then what about the legal stuff? And I don't know, right. how do you really structure it? And I, I've at least imagined that it's super complicated and I'm really curious how, how you handle these kind of issues in the past. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, <laughs> I mean, it goes back to me like, I'm not, again, because I'm not really building something that, you know, needs to make money that I need to earn money from. My, my approach to this has been very relaxed and very chill and, and with, with, with kind of a few of those things too, the, the sort of reason was completely separate anyway, but, but yeah, so I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, tend, I've tended to be like, this is just a cool thing that I want to build. And if it turns into something, we'll figure that out afterwards. And, and so for, for example, when I worked with Ben on a few projects as well, you know, with, with him, he was working full time on those. So, you know, like even if we started to make money on those, I was like, well, I've got a paycheck. So, you know, let's just take the money the, the, that, the, that the project is making. Let's use that to pay your salary so that you can carry on working on it full time, kind of, kind of things like that, so that we can continue to, to grow in and kind of ad advance what we were working on. Just with the understanding that, you know, that's, that's just the way that it is. And if it, if it ends up being something really massive at some point, we can figure that out at some point. It's not, it's not really a big deal. The, the thing with Hit and Shah, for example, that one was a weird one where it was like, I think it was, it was January one year. It was really cold. It was snowing outside. There was like, you know, lots of, lots of snow outside already, lots of ice on the ground and everything like that. And I sent out a random tweet. I was like, who wants to pay to fly me out to California where it's nice and warm so I don't have to be cold and, and, and stuck in the house in, in Eastern, you know, on, 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 on the East Coast of New York? And and him just reached out and he was like, I've got this thing that I'd love for you to build. You know, when 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 can we fly you out, basically? And I was like, I was only joking. <laughs> I wasn't being serious. You know, my family would not like me just to leave them here for a few weeks while I go work on stuff. But but we just talked and I was just like, I'd love to build something with you because you're an awesome guy and I've been following you for a really long time. And so we just built something. It was just again, it was just a fun thing. You know, I you know, I some things I build because I want to make money, some things I build because I want to work with people, some things I build just because I'm excited about the idea and I want to build it. And so, so yeah, so that thing with Hit and Shah, I mean, like, yeah, I didn't get a flight out to California. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting any of you to be actually serious about it either. But yeah, but it ended up being something cool that I got to build. And, you know, I got, I got to put on the resume to say I built something with him as well. So, so it, it's, it's, like I said, I've, I've been less concerned about the whole legal stuff because it's like, well, if it turns into something, it turns into something. And in some cases it has, like when, when we built Q with my friends, Dan and Matt, you know, they're running Q now, you know, they've been running it for a number of years. There's six or seven people that work at Q, you know, it's making, it's making good money, it's paying salaries and stuff like that. I still own a percentage of Q as well. So, you know, it's kind of worked out and it was just something that we didn't really have a formal agreement for it was like let's just try build this thing and if it turns into something we can figure out you know afterwards you know based on who's working on it full-time who's not working on it full-time you know, who's taking salary who's not taking a salary you know sort of those kind of things that you just you know as long as everybody's reasonable and has a, a has a fair approach to you know in terms of like you're saying how much effort are you putting in how much uh, how much do you expect to to, to kind of see at at the, from the output as well so yeah and that and part of that is just understanding who you're working with as well right if, if you have a relationship with with people that you're making stuff with 
and starting small on a small project that you're not spending, you know, six months a year on if you're spending a few weeks on it. Instead, even if things don't work out exactly how you hoped, it's only a few weeks worth of work, right? Like it's not, it's not, it's not been your life's work to build this, this one thing. And then, you know, then it, then it doesn't work out. It, then it doesn't work out. But if you spend a few weeks on it, it's not a big deal. If you spend months on it, it becomes a big deal at that point. Yeah, most people are nice and reasonable, right? So yeah. it's, it's really great to hear that it always works out like this. So it just started without any kind of formal agreement and just figured it out along the way. And everyone, so everyone was always happy. So there were never any conflicts, fights, I don't know, because I can imagine that it quickly happened. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, like I said, you, you just have to be honest and upfront with people. Like, I mean, I was always honest with people. I'm like, I've got a job, right? Like, I mean, so I'm probably not going to come work at this thing because there's no way that this startup thing that we just started is going to pay me the kind of salary that I need to support my family and everything like that. So I was always very open with people to say, if this, if this, if this thing takes off, I can carry on working on it part time. You know, I can put a few hours in here or there. Uh, but if you if you need a full time person working on this, it's not trying to be me. So I think as long as you're open with people and say, look, I you know I know you can't afford to pay me my salary that I'm making now, and I can't afford to leave my salary right now because I have to support my family. I think as long as you're open and kind of honest with people with kind of what you're expecting and what kind of everybody else is expecting as well, I think it works out fine. It's it's always if you like. Well, I, I want to come, I want to be, you know, I want to be a full co-founder of this thing, but I can't work on it, you know, full time. It's like, well, if, if, if the other people are quitting their jobs and, 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 and are going to spend all their time working on it, then, then you have to make some adjustments in terms of what your expectations are as well. So, so I think, yeah, as long as you're open and kind of honest about what, what, you, what, the, what the amount of work is that you're going to do and what the amount of work is that they're going to put in and if people are going to put in cash or not cash, if people are going to put in time, it's understanding not everybody it's nice to think about every just splitting things equally and stuff but if you're not doing equal amounts of work you shouldn't expect to get equal amounts of kind of ownership and 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 kind of stuff like that either yeah it's super super interesting and i also had what's the story behind q on my list <laughs> i i want because it, it really stuck out because it was one of the things you were listed as a maker as a maker yeah. but then you left and it's still a company so i was curious yeah what's the yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the very high level story there was just, you know, Dan and Matt came to me with an idea. I thought it was a good idea. I didn't have the time to work on it at the time. And then I think it was like six months later. I, I you know, basically I told Dan and Matt, like, I'd love to work on this. I don't have the time right now. You should go try and find somebody else to, to, to kind of work on it. And six months later, you know, I, I kind of had some, I just had some spare time. And so, that, so I, I love that idea. Have you found somebody to work on it? They're like, no, we haven't. So I spent, I spent basically like, I spent basically like two weeks working on, on like the first version of that. And they basically used that first version to get the first 5,000 people in sort of in the door to kind of use the software. Uh, they went out and raised some, some seed capital to kind of run the company and then, so I was involved with it for a while in terms of just, again, it was just like, I've, I can put in like a few hours a week kind of thing. I worked on that for a while with them until they got it to the point where they could just go and hire like a full-time developer as well, based on the MRR that they had kind of at the time and stuff like that. And so, yeah, they're, they're doing really well. You know, they, I mean, well, I think that's probably four years old now. <laughs> Q, I think is about four years old. So it's kind of, it's, 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 it's just been awesome to kind of see how they've been able to scale that out. 
yeah, really, really great to hear. And you still own a part of it, so you're still getting... Yes, <laughs> so hopefully at some point there'll be an exit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's the, that's the dream, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I noticed that when, I think when we first launched, they got almost no attention, at least on Product Hunt, like only 50 votes or so. And then the second version, or I don't know, uh, uh, different launches got then lots of attention. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's that's the natural way too, right? Like I mean, people don't know who you are, people don't know what your offering is, and so once people learn about you and and become users and stuff, I mean that was yeah, and, and also I think we became more well known as well, kind of as we were working on it as well. So it kind of helped just in terms of just having an audience as well, just to just to make sure that we we kind of ranked higher up on the homepage as well and stuff like that too. So it was all it was it was a nice journey to kind of see the sort of evolution of just having that spark of an idea we didn't know if people were going to like the idea i thought it was a really awesome idea and so did dan obviously and and so yeah it's just been awesome to see that that the market has kind of proven that that it's a good idea as well yeah perfect success story so at least yeah. <laughs> until now really really cool yeah. and another project that stuck out for me is marketing stack yeah um, because <laughs> yeah. Totally crazy. So because there are, of course, all, always these kind of trends on product hunts yes. and during a short period of time, a specific type of product gets all the upvotes all the time. And that was, of course, what was it called? Startup Stash or so. Which Startup Stash the, is the first one, yeah. The most upvoted product on product hunts, <laughs> which is completely crazy because it's so simple. And yeah. it, 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 all, it was sold, I don't know, for, for quite some money. And I then also saw that your marketing marketing stack i think it's called yeah stack. marketing yeah, stack not, okay got like 6000 up upwards so completely crazy and it's really just a pretty fine excel file <laughs> no offense so because nope. no i read the story that um, you just collected <laughs> yeah. like 150 links in an excel file and then told you and asked you maybe let's make it pretty and this is what you did and completely crazy and you ended up selling it right oh. yes. yeah and it's funny because the site's not up anymore. I, I think it's so. Yeah. I, I I never. I find that amazing that people spend money to buy stuff and then they just they just ignore it. It's just. It's like if you get. I mean, if you. <laughs> I guess if you have the money, then that's fantastic for you. Do but, whatever you want, but yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it just but, seems but, a, a strange way to spend your money. <laughs> but at least you can redi re redirect it to some other page in order right. to get the SEO juice, right? So, yeah. SEO juice. So, yeah. And so yeah, so no, that yeah, that was a fun. That was another one of those fun. I think that was one of those ones that, you know, Ben was trying lots of different experiments to see what was you know kind of what would work, what what is. And he's more on the marketing side of things anyway, so it kind of made sense for him to kind of collect all those things. It was one of those things where it's like I've got most of these things already because it's it's sites that I visit all the time and it's you know it's things that I do kind kind of all the time anyway. So just collecting them into a spreadsheet. And then he sent me a spreadsheet. I just wrote a little script to import them all and kind of organize them in different categories and things like that. And we just built a very simple page that just kind of listed them all and, and allowed people to filter into the different categories and 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 kind and kind of things like that. And it was yeah, I think I think it, at launch we got like two thousand upvotes, and then it's just been on the site for a really long time, obviously. So it's continued to get upvotes ever since that as well. So. Uh, yeah, it was number one on the day, I think, and and you know, so all sorts of stuff like that. But that was, you know, like I said, that's mostly just Ben doing the marketing side of thing, making sure that there was a lot of excitement about that. Because obviously, like you said, it's a very simple site. <laughs> it's really, really crazy because there are lots of stories of people like spending six months building some super complicated 
tool and then <laughs> I don't know, created nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you you slash together a simple Excel sheet and it's uh, gets all the attention and even sold and make some profit, not just yeah. having some fun. Super awesome, yeah. But it's it yeah. I, I don't know what would you say is was it just luck or was it really um, and pushing the marketing so hard? I well I think I mean part of it is just understanding what, what people are looking for, right? Like if it I get the oh I and also how many people are looking for it too, right? So you could build a very complicated, very specific thing. And if your audience is like six people around the world, then you're gonna get six uploads, right? Like but if you're building something for the marketing industry, there's millions and millions of people who want to know marketing, want to do marketing, have to do marketing. And so yeah, so there's just some tools I think that are just naturally gonna do much better on sites like product hunt just because of kind of what they are and the kind of audience that product hunt has and the kind of product that you have so uh that's why i mean i mean i i love product hunt i've been on it for a really long time i've launched lots of things on it as well but i think you have to understand what you're building and is that the right audience for it and so yeah don't put all of your hopes and dreams on i'm going to build something i'm going to launch on product hunt and it's going to do amazingly because you know, if you're building something for rocket scientists, I can pretty sure there's not too many rocket scientists hanging out on product hunt, you know, so maybe so, yeah, so, is, <laughs> is better for that one. So yeah, so yeah, just understand, you know, what you're building and who you're building it for. And then, you know, understanding where they hang out is obviously really important. Well. That's why obviously startup stash did really well on product hunt because it's people building startups. That's kind of the whole point of product <laughs> on of product hunt so if 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 startup strategy didn't do well on product hunt it wouldn't have done well anywhere so 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 i think you have to kind of understand that as well yeah it's also something of course i observed and this is why at least for my first free projects i want to focus on this niche because it maybe it's not the smartest strategy in terms if you would look at the whole picture but at least it's so easy to reach these kind of people because they hang out on product hunt they are willing to try new stuff and you get right. feedback you can connect with people so just building stuff for the maker community like you did is, I think, yeah. a great strategy. But you need to understand that if you want to build, I don't know, something for <laughs> doctors, I don't know, then yeah, yeah, and like, it, I mean, like I, yeah, and, and like I said, there, there's lots of places that you can launch, yeah, you know, other things as well. So you know, like, don't. I mean, yes, it's important to have like a launch strategy about where you're going to launch things and how you're going to launch things and stuff. But you know, just because everybody else is launching on product hunt doesn't mean that you have to as well. <laughs> And yeah, Ben also is like, was like the perfect person to work with because he has the perfect insider knowledge, right? Because he worked yes. at Product Hunt, he, <laughs> he was responsible for the, for the page, for the, for the, for the, for the front page. And also you did another project with him, which is Newco, right? What's yes. It called? yes. Yes. And this morphed into his, now into what he's makeup pad, right? So, yes. And this is also like a, incredible success yeah no he's doing amazingly well it's doing amazingly well so yeah Nuco was this well, it was just an extension of kind of what he was doing so after he left product hunt he was just trying to help people make stuff right like you know people who couldn't couldn't code kind of all the time you know didn't know how code and obviously the market's changed a little bit underneath us in terms of the, the whole no code market really exploded as well but so he was just trying to help people like they've got an idea they want to be able to launch it so the whole idea was nuco was like how do we get people from i don't know how to code i don't have any experience i don't i don't necessarily want even want to learn how to code but i want to build a marketing page or landing page or something like that or i want to build something 
um, that doesn't necessarily require any code. Can you show me with the different tools that are out there with the web flows of the world, with the bubble of, of those kind of things, you know, can we build, can we build, can we start building things without necessarily having to know how to code? So, so, you know, he started doing that on his own. Just, just, I think it was just like a few private pages somewhere. And he would just, you know, it was like a, a ocean site, I think with, with some links on it to some videos that he'd recorded and, 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 and kind of things like that. And so he, he kind of reached out to me. It was like, hey, you know, I, I'd like to scale this out a little bit more. Can we, can we build something that, you know, that has like a, a full kind of CMS attached to it so that we can manage this stuff and we can control who has access to all the different things and, 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 and kind of stuff like that. So, so we, yeah, we spent probably about six months or so building that and trying to figure out how we scale that out. And then in the end, you know, what, what we found was like, really, it was like, just as we were building, that was when the no code movement really started to explode. And so, so we were like, well, you know, so Ben really you know, sat down for a while and we kind of talked about it and he was like, it kind of makes sense to do this thing as a completely no code <laughs> kind of thing, just because the sort of tools that had come out had actually allowed him to do a lot of the things that he wanted to be able to do as well now without having to write something custom and stuff. And so we kind of, we, and I was cool with it. I mean, I was like, you know, let's, let's take what we did at Nuco and as much as you can, let's see if you can launch it on Makerpad, but do it without any code whatsoever. And, you know, we'll kind of see what the market says in terms of are they interested in this stuff? Because like part of the problem that we ran into was that just to, to write all of the tutorials and documentation and stuff was really time consuming. And it was something that, you know, we couldn't quite figure out how to scale uh, easily just because it required more people to write the tutorials and we obviously needed to pay them and, you know, so all sorts of stuff like that. And then when we, when, when, when Ben switched to Makerpad, it kind of just so happened that a lot of the no code uh, players were out there. They were busy working on the actual tool itself and they were looking for people to kind of help with the marketing of it. So in, in many, in many cases they came to us and said, or they came to Ben rather and said, well, we'll pay you to write the tutorial if you post it on your site and you share it. <laughs> and so we kind of, it kind of solved that problem because it was, you know, now we have a way to monetize it without having to go and find people to pay for this stuff as well. And, and so, yeah, so, so, it's, so the early part of that was, you know, like trying to figure out how to scale the two sides of things. It just, it just became a lot easier. And then, and then Ben, like I said, he just focused on doing it all without any code and stuff like that. And, and I think it's, it's worked out really well for him. So that, that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's another great example where um, riding a wave was yeah. just the perfect strategy because he was he positioned himself, then the big wave came, and now every, everyone is coming. So this is. And I, I think I think the sort of important thing there is is that you know he didn't just wait for the wave either. I think that's the thing. Right? I think a lot of people like they want to they want to wait for the wave or they want to see the wave and then they want to hop on at the right time and stuff. I think you know what Ben had done had he kind of established himself in the in the space already, and then the wave just kind of came and lifted him along, right? Like so it wasn't like he just like jumped in at the last minute and kind of rode the wave up to to the top. He was sitting there in that space waiting for the wave. So I think that's that's the thing I think people forget is that is that you can't expect to see the wave and then hop on it at the same time. You kind of have to like you kind of have to put your stake in the ground and say like this is where I think the wave is going to come. And when it comes, you have to be there and you have to be ready 
for it as well. I think that's that's I think that's you know that's what Ben had done in that he he really established himself as an expert in the code space and in that particular movement. And when when that movement really exploded, you know it did carry him along. But if he hadn't already been an established player in that space, it wouldn't. It would have carried somebody else instead. So so he did a lot of the work to kind of establish himself in that space way before it was cool and and kind of hip and trendy and stuff and so yeah so i think that's that's the other thing that i think that people forget is that yes it's luck that you know you happen to be riding a wave but it's also hard work in terms of doing a lot of things that you know aren't aren't, that you're not seeing that immediate return for with the expectation that hopefully at some point you will see that return but it's not it's not always luck it's it's, some people do put in a lot of hard work and put in a lot of effort to make sure that what 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 looks like it's luck (laughs) Yeah, you have to be prepared, right? Of course, I think yeah. luck always plays a role. Like you can't yeah. deny that. Well, yeah, I mean, he made the he made he made the educated choice about. I think this is a movement that will happen, and you know, I can be here for it. But you know, in a different world, uh, if COVID hits at a different time or something like that, maybe not. You know, like I mean, like because there's just so many other bigger factors or bigger things that can happen that can change what the world looks like. That that you know you you can't control all of those things but you you know you make that educated guess about where you think the world's headed and and hopefully it hopefully it, it will arrive there but but you know the world is the, the world and it will do whatever it wants to in the end <laughs> yeah and he was i think only able to do that because he was seriously enthusiastic about that yeah. right because he yeah. built so many products just using no code before and like, found he found like the winning thing which was just make a pet and this is yeah Again, the strategy you mentioned, like being enthusiastic, not just looking for trends and because. I think if you're looking for trends, the, the problem with looking for trends is that by the time you see the trends, it's too late. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't join the trend at that point. I mean, unless it's a really, really, really long trend and you're just hopping on early. But with most, I mean, I found over the, over the years that trends are getting shorter as well, right? Like it, it, the peaks and valleys and stuff happen a lot faster these days just because of the, you know, the way that everybody's connected and, and and you know sort of online all the time and stuff so so to spot a trend hop on it and ride it all the way to the top you know you have to that's real luck to you know just to kind of find the right trend and hop on at the right time but if you're already you know if you're already excited about something you're already working in that space and so you don't have to spot the trend the, the sort of trend finds you almost so yeah so i think i think it's that's the other thing that i think yeah, people think it's easy to kind of spot the trend and just hop onto it, but it's by the time you've spotted the trend, by the time you see the excitement and stuff, there's there's other people who are already very established in that in that space already. So for you to kind of hop on, yeah, you can probably hop on and make a small amount of money, but you're not going to make like a really big successful thing. I I I I don't think. And yeah, the, the another collaboration, of course, I have on my list here. It's a recent one with Nathan, and yes. I'm. Really curious because he he mentioned himself that he's very transactional in his relationships. So it, it, these are really his words. So I'm really curious, in, at least if you can share that, um, what kind of agreement you have in place. So are you employed? Are you a co-owner? What what kind of structure? Yeah. So that this is another one that just started out. Just we didn't have any agreement whatsoever, right? Like it was just one of these things where it's like, oh, Nathan seems like a cool guy. I think I'd like to see what it's like to work with him. So. So we came up, we, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about an idea that he had. And so I was like, sounds like fun. Let's, let's see if we can, let's see if we can make something here. 
and so we we just launched you know kind of a fun little side project called operationpie.com but but yeah so so we had no you know no long-term agreement no plan about you know working on anything long term and, and actually it's funny because after we after we built operation pie after about six months or so i actually had a conversation with with Nathan, I was like, Nathan, it's really fun. It's been fun working with you. I really enjoyed working with you. But I just don't think I have the time to to kind of work on, on anything anymore. I've got, you know, I've got other things happening. And and he, he basically sat down and was like, No, Mars, I want to work with you longer term. Let's let's figure out how we kind of make this work. Just because I was, you know, I was working on other things and stuff at the time. So yes, yeah, so we kind of figured that out. So no, so in terms of founder path. You know, I I have a percentage of that, and you know, also taking a salary now as well. But but yeah, but so yeah, there was no there was no formal agreement and stuff. And yeah, you know, we just we just sat down and had the conversation in terms of what would it look like if we started doing this thing kind of full time. And we we talked it through based on you know how many hours you know people are putting in and and how much money they're putting in and and sort of other things like that. And it's all very specific to your situation and the, the sort of project that you're doing and the people that you're working with. So there's no like magic formula here in terms of it's never going to be an equal. Everybody's going to split the company equally. And, you know, because it, it depends on, on kind of how you're working and, and kind of what you're working on and, and what, what, you know, what capital you need to kind of fund that, the, that, that kind of operation and stuff like that. It's all very specific, but just sit down and have an honest and frank, conversation about what you need and if if you can work it out it works out and if not there's i mean i say (laughs) there was you know obviously the world is what it is for other people and stuff but for me at least there's always been lots of opportunity because i do what i do because i'm pretty good at what i do i've never really had a uh, a point in my life where it's like i don't know what i'm going to work on next right like there's always been opportunities where it's people need people who can do what i do like so you know, if it didn't work out with Nathan for whatever reason, in terms of we couldn't figure out the percentages of the money or whatever, I could have, I'm sure I would have got a job somewhere else, you know, like it's not, it's not, it wasn't, it, you know, like I'm very fortunate. I understand it's not the same for everybody else, but, you know, I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I put in the, I put in the effort. I've, I built a very good relation i've built very good relationships with people that i work with in the past and whenever i i need work for whatever reason i i'm able to reach out to a few people and they're there i've been able to you know i think i think i got laid so not not this previous job even prior to area 17 i got laid off from a job just because the company was just having some some issues and stuff i got you know just i got laid off with a bunch of other people too <laughs> and within 48 hours i had a new job lined up you know it was just you know i i actually had like an offer within 48 hours and that's you know like i said that's that's partly because people have worked with me in the past they they're very happy to to, to kind of work with me in the future as well so you know so i you know that's the other thing i you know i like to keep in mind is i don't burn bridges with people you know i have very good relationships with people uh, you know and and i think that's super important i think i think people don't put enough emphasis on that as well you know, I, I do put in the extra effort. Like uh, that's why people, you know, like to work with me and, and would continue to like to work for your new projects and, and, and kind of things like that too. So, and, and I, you know, I'm not, and, and I don't think I'm unique in that sense. I think there's lots of other people out there like that too, but I think if people make a conscious effort to kind of do that as well, 
I think, you know, they, it's something that everybody can achieve, I think. So it's not, it's not something that just, you know, just, just because it's me, I'm, I'm able to do that. I think, I, I think, I think it's something that kind of everybody can kind of have that options out there as well. Yeah, it's fantastic advice. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And maybe the last question I have on the whole, your project history is what you consider is the biggest success for, out of your like 90. You know, yeah, there are lots of factors. I know some projects, yeah. but lots of press attention. Yeah. Like, like the robot thing or bot list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a few and it depends on your criteria, right? Like I think one of the earliest ones, even, even something like Statomic, uh, which I built, I mean, that was one. So he doesn't live this far away anymore, but so I have a friend who used to live about a mile away from me. And so it was kind of fun to work on, on something with somebody who was close, but not like in the same office, even he was working from his house. I was working from my house. You know, I'd like, drive over to his house say he here's here's the most recent code yeah we pushed up to github and stuff we just kind of hang out and we kind of chat and and sort of talk about the longer term vision of like a what's the static flat file cms look like you know so things like that so that was very cool and it's very cool that it's still you know it's still live right now they just released version three of statomic he'd moved down to florida right now but <laughs> so that's kind of cool q is also you know really cool as well you know there's like six or seven people that work at, at q now still doing really well still never met man and matt and dan in person which is another amazing thing <laughs> and i think and then yeah in terms of like the biggest amount of press and publicity and stuff is actually that will robots take my job i mean that one i think in the first month that it was live had done four million page views it was on uh, msnbc.com it was on radio stations and tv stations around the country it was on Canadian TV it was on French TV it was it was in a kiosk in a museum in San Francisco where they were like they were doing they were doing an exhibit on the industrial revolution about how work has changed over the years and they wanted to put uh, will robots in a kiosk in in inside of the exhibit so that people could kind of look at what the potential future of work looked like as well in terms of which jobs would be automated away and stuff like that too. So that one was a, that one was kind of a wild ride in terms of just, it just blew up and it went just about everywhere that it could. <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing because it's again, a super simple tool, right? So I yeah. bet it wasn't a lot of work. No, I mean, we built that in two weekends. It was, yeah. it was two weekends. It was probably about, you know, in terms of actual time, probably about, 20 hours work between me and uh and Dibitar as well uh, yeah probably about 20 hours worth of work and and it was it just exploded really great and another cool story i came across is for sale by maker right yes, <laughs> yes. you you also ended up selling it in exchange for your computer that you're using yeah. right now, right? <laughs> yes yes absolutely yeah that was what so i built that so product on every year about every year has like a hackathon which they sponsor and i think for this one they had just released their new graphql api and so they were so they were encouraging people to build things with with this new api that they that they had put out and so i built for sale by maker which accessed so basically it's just a way for people to sell their projects that they don't want to work on anymore and so I used the product and API as a way to kind of pull the information about the product. So, you know, when you submit to product hunt, you have to give it a name and a tagline and you upload images and all that kind of stuff. And so I figured if somebody was trying to sell something easy, just one click, you log in with product hunt, you, we use the API to pull your products and then we can pull all the information about that 
product. They made it really easy to build a page that had the information. You would put in how much you wanted to sell it for, you know, how much traffic it was receiving, how much money it was making, sort of that kind of stuff. And within like one or two clicks, you could have your site listed. And it also made it a little bit easier from if somebody was interested in, in purchasing the site, they could see how it had done, how it had done on the launch as well. Like how many upvotes did it get? You know, sort of those kind of things as well. So I built the whole thing in I probably two weeks or so, you know, trying to learn their new API as well and trying to understand how it all worked and stuff. Um, and then it sat for like a year. Like people were still, people were using it. People were posting their products. People were selling. I mean, I think I, I, think I heard from about five or six people that said that they had posted their thing on For Sale by Maker and, and somebody had reached out to them and they had actually sold their thing on it. And it was completely hands off. Like I didn't have to do anything. You know, it was just, it was just something that people would just find because it was on Product Hunt, obviously. And it's had a, you know, fairly SEO friendly name as well in terms of people trying to sell their, their projects and things like that too. And then, yeah, so about a year after, after I'd launched that, Andrew, who runs Micro Acquire, reached out, was like, you know, I see that you built and launched this thing and I see it's still live and people are still using it would you be interested in selling it? And I was, and, and I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to put a price on it. Right. Like, because I haven't been trying to make money with it. So I don't, I don't know what the, the value of, of something like that is. And, and so I sat down for a while and thought about it. I was like, it'd be nice to have a new lap. I haven't bought a new laptop in a while. And so I, I, so I reached out back to Andrew and I was like, how about we look up how much a, you know, a new Apple MacBook Pro is, and if you're okay with that, we'll sell it for the price of the Apple MacBook Pro. <laughs> and he was like, oh, that sounds, that sounds fair. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so in the space of a weekend, we kind of had that conversation, and I, I think it took about a week for me to transfer you know, kind of everything over and stuff. But, yeah, so that's now, that's now owned by MicroAcquire. I think they just redirected it in, sort of in the end instead. Yeah, super cool story, <laughs> and definitely a win-win, right? Because yeah, you, you. I wasn't doing anything with it, but it was it was a cool thing to build for the hackathon, and and yeah, it was kind of it was a cool new way to kind of explore their API and everything like that as well. So you know, I I, I kind of used the time effectively, and then it turned out into it turned into a new laptop instead. <laughs> Not too bad, but so did they integrate it, or is is um, really just the domain? I think it was just that they were looking for the the backlinks and also just yeah just to be able to do some publicity and kind of share the story as well i think as well and uh, yeah, yeah hopefully sure. it's worked out well for him as well it's a cheap price it's like what peter levels does on twitter where he is yeah like yeah, <laughs> yeah almost exactly the same yeah almost exactly the same for the price of a laptop they got some good publicity out of that as well <laughs> yeah everyone wins <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that and is there any project where you were disappointed that it didn't work out because of course most of them were just for fun and i think you yeah. didn't really care about the outcome because yeah, <laughs> the building was yeah. all the fun but is there anything where it really was where it disappointed um, i'm trying to think actually i haven't uh, thought about that one in a while let me see i'm gonna look through my list real quick yeah. just to see what's on there yeah i don't, I don't know i mean like because most of most of the ideas are just you know kind of fun things that if they work out great if not then it's not really uh it's not really a big deal i mean i will say some of some of the things in here i think yeah this is something to keep in mind too Oh, actually, I think the one that really still irks me a lot. So if this is like way back in 2015. If you look at pay, P-A-Y-Y. 
so I built this with a friend of mine. I guess he lived in Florida at the time, but so we built this thing and it was just a very simple thing. It was just like a web page that, so when you signed up, you got like a pay page. And so you could go to pay, it was payy.me. So it would be pay me and then it would be slash Mabashar Iqbal or whatever, right? So it was just a page which just had basically a form in it where you could put your credit card info in and then you could just pay me whatever you owed me for whatever reason, right? Like, let's say we went to the movies and I bought the ticket and I was like, well, just, you know, just, you know, at some point down the road, you can, you can, you can pay me back and kind of thing, essentially. Uh, and so we built that, we launched and it was actually doing quite well. So, you know, people were using it just to send each other money and stuff, just, you know, for, for things like paying rent and things like that. And then a few weeks after we launched it, we got an email from Stripe basically saying that no, you can't build that. <laughs> we were like, what? We can't build that? And so, yeah, so Stripe made us shut that down, <laughs> which was really annoying because it was, it was actually doing quite well kind of at the time, but apparently at the time, I don't know if it's changed legally and stuff in terms of what Stripe's allowed to do, but you couldn't build a, just kind of a general purpose page that wasn't like selling something like, because I guess sort of at the time, at least uh, when it, to transact through Stripe, it had to be for a specific thing. So if you were buying a piece of software or if you were signing up for a monthly subscription or something like that, that was fine. Everything was kind of hunky dory and everything was fine. But just having like a payment page where there wasn't like a specific reason for putting in your credit card info and you know, purchasing a, a good or a service wasn't allowed back then. I, I have no idea if that's still uh, the case right now or not but yeah that one i think is still the one that just kind of irks on me because i didn't really see a good reason for why stripe shut us down but that's the way it is <laughs> yeah probably regulations i don't know because payment regulations are wild right because i, th I think at the time i think at the time stripe was still fairly new at that point they were still only a couple of years old and so they were beholden to who was actually backing them from a financial institution side of things so so there was just certain things that they weren't allowed to do at the time. I think now that there's, you know, they're obviously much larger now and, and have a lot more control over what they're allowed to do. I think it probably would be okay now, but you know, back in 2015, at least <laughs> it wasn't something that it wasn't something that the people that Stripe were partnering with weren't allowing Stripe to do it because Stripe wasn't allowed to do it. And we weren't allowed to, to do it either. So I think we are almost out of time, so that, so that you have just a bit more time um, before your sure. next meeting. <laughs> but just to wrap things up, I have two quick questions. And maybe the most important one is, in your opinion, who should I talk to <laughs> after talking to you? So like, who are good persons to learn from, in your opinion? And maybe not even in, in terms of talking to them, but just learning from them by studying what they do. That's equally fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, I not not just you specifically, but just in 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 general, I think just you know, just learning more about the no code space, I think, is is valuable for everybody because even as a developer, there's plenty of times I just don't have the time or the energy to kind of make stuff from scratch, and just being able to use tools and things like that, I think, is really is really is really an important way that people can kind of make things fast without without having to spend lots of time on it so obviously you know current following people like ben tossel um, param canstein is another person who's very active in that no code space i think it's param k on twitter 
but yeah, very active in that, in that community as well. So I would just encourage people to find people in the no code space to just to kind of follow and, and kind of learn lots, lots from. That's great advice. And in fact, my, my, the project I'm currently working on is a little bit no code. So it's not purely no code, but it's a little bit no code. And I was thinking about how to build it. And then I, it occurred to me, why don't I just use Airtable before I build some kind of super complicated backend whatever myself, because it has all the functionality that I currently need for. And just to validate whether there's real demand, I will use Airtable. And of course, if people really use it, then I can still so absolutely it's it's all about it's all about it's all about building i i like and people say like mobs you build so quickly you don't validate your idea my building the thing is validating my idea <laughs> right? so so that's how i validate ideas is i build something and if i can do it faster if i can do it quicker i can validate much quicker than even you know trying to have lots of interviews with people and trying to talk about the idea and trying to explain the idea and collect their feedback and analyze the results it's much quicker to build it and launch it and see people pay for it. And then, then that's your validation right there. <laughs> yeah, I love that approach. And it's also what I'm trying because, of course, you can talk to potential customers. You can try these kind of tricks where you just put up some landing page with a take buy button and then people click on it and then come to message. Ah, oh, it's not available right now, but you can. Right. <laughs> but um, all the messages the, you get, all the data you get this way is, I don't know, not really clear. And even... Right especially by talking to people though because of course lots of people will say the idea is amazing but then they don't end up paying yeah and and it's also you know just because you talk to two people who say yes maybe that's the only two people who would have ever said yes right like i mean so just understand i mean and we're not we're not statisticians and stuff so understanding who you're speaking to and understanding how they represent the rest of the market and stuff you know that's a whole kind of industry unto itself it's so yeah, and there's a, there's a whole science to that, and and we're not experts in that. So yeah, just because we spoke to a couple of people who gave us really good feedback and stuff doesn't mean that we build something that's kind of kind of kind of worthwhile. And like I said, it depends on kind of what you're building. If it's going to take you six months to build something, then yeah, maybe spend a, a week or two doing the the sort of industry research and talking to people and seeing if it's worth spending six months. But if you can spend two or three weeks and just launch something. And, and actually get it in front of real people at that point, real customers, then that's way more valuable than, than kind of doing that customer research instead. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and I think that's all I had on my list. And yeah, thank you so much. For no on, problem. On my, on my still very little show. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know that, but so far I just, it was just me rambling into the void and I'm just documenting my process and you are actually my first guest. No, I, no, that's... I, no, that's- I, I will. I, I really want to have more guests because it's such a, such a cool format just to learn from people and also because just like you, I love listening to podcasts myself. It's- no, I think, you know, I think we, we kind of all have to start, we all have to start somewhere. And I think, you know, I'm doing the whole one, one hour SaaS thing too, which is like, you know, every, every day I kind of, I share like the sort of 10 minutes of what I did the day before. And, you know, it's kind of like a mini podcast, but it's just on the 10 minutes on youtube instead so it's i think it's really awesome way to to kind of share even even if nobody else is even if nobody else is kind of watching it i think it's going to be fun in like you know six months to a year or whatever just to sit back and kind of rewatch all of those and, and and just kind of see kind of how i worked and kind of you know kind of how things worked out in the end as well to see if i made any really bad choices along the way from those really awesome choices as well so so hopefully it's uh, it's kind of all there to kind of kind of see how things worked out <laughs> 
Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. So I really hope to speak to you soon again. <laughs> and I will definitely follow your journey. So with, um, I really, be really curious what your new projects will turn into, like Founder Pass. So <laughs> it, 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 it looks as, as it could become a really big thing, right? So. <laughs> that's well, that's the hope and that's you know that's why we're kind of working on it full time now is because we, we kind of see the potential there you know if it was something we just thought wasn't going to be that big then you know it would have it carried on kind of as a side project but yeah but I've, i mean i think it it could be a new way of people to fund their their, their SaaS businesses instead of having to you know raise money from from kind of like venture capital instead and and having to to effectively sell part of their company with founder path you know we kind of help you raise capital without you having to give up any of your company so it can be it can still be yours and you know you can run it how you want to you don't have to worry about giving up seats on the board and all that kind of stuff so yeah so hopefully it ends up being something that a lot of people can take ad advantage of i hope so it's really cool so speak to you soon yeah okay yeah thank you very much i See. will stop the recording <laughs> <laughs>